This is the Bible in one year, day 92. It's all yours. The Chelsea Flower Show may well be the most famous flower show in the world. It attracts visitors from all continents. There are four grades of award presented, gold, silver gilt, silver and bronze. As well as awards for gardens and flowers, the Knighting Award is for exhibits of vegetables. I once heard a man being interviewed about the fact that he was retiring after winning the gold medal for his vegetables for ten years in a row. Asked for the secret of his success, he said, I aim for perfection, but I settle for excellence. Aim for perfection, writes the Apostle Paul. This is very different from perfectionism. Perfectionism is a personality trait characterized by striving for flawlessness. It leads to setting excessively high performance standards. Perfectionists are overly critical of themselves and constantly concerned about what others think of them. It leads to a fear of failure and making mistakes. It can lead to depression, anxiety and missed opportunities. God's people have always been called to aim high while avoiding the dangers of perfectionism. God gave to his people in the Old Testament a wonderful vision of their potential inheritance. It is all yours in Christ Jesus. Proverbs 8 The Lord brought me forth as the first of his works, before his deeds of old. I was formed long ages ago, at the very beginning when the world came to be. When there were no watery depths, I was given birth. When there were no springs overflowing with water, before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills, I was given birth. Before he made the world or its fields, or any of the dust of the earth, I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep, when he gave the sea its boundary, so that the waters would not overstep his command, and when he marked out the foundations of the earth. Then I was constantly at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world, and delighting in the human race. Aim to be full of joy. Jesus wants you to be full of joy. He wants you to experience complete joy. He said, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. The description of personified wisdom in today's passage is echoed in the way the New Testament talks about Jesus. Jesus was with God in the beginning. Wisdom is seen to be full of joy. Day after day I was there with my joyful applause, always enjoying his company, delighted with the world of things and creatures, happily celebrating the human family. This joy is overflowing, filled with delight. It's constant, day after day. Where does this joy come from? First, it comes from God's presence, in his presence. Secondly, it comes from relationships with other people, the human family. Third, it comes from God's creation, world of things and creatures. God has given us all good things 
richly to enjoy. It's all yours in Jesus. The joy that Jesus experienced in his relationship with God the Father strengthened him in his life on earth. Fix your eyes on Jesus, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Jesus teaches us to aim high with our own lives, never just making do with enduring hardships and always seeking the joy of God's presence. Lord, thank you that you want your joy to be in me and my joy to be complete. May I never settle for anything less. New Testament, Luke 9. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away so that they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging, because we are in a remote place here. He replied, You give them something to eat. They answered, We only have five loaves of bread and two fish, unless we go and buy food for all this crowd. About five thousand men were there. But he said to his disciples, Make them sit down in groups of about fifty each. The disciples did so, and everyone sat down. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Once, when Jesus was praying in private, and his disciples were with him, he asked them, Who do the crowds say I am? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. But what about you? he asked. Who do you say I am? Peter answered, God's Messiah. Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone, and he said, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed, and on the third day be raised to life. Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. Aim to be full of love. Jesus is the supreme example of love. Even the secular world often recognizes this. Time magazine said this, Jesus, the most persistent symbol of purity, selflessness and love in the history of Western humanity. Jesus loves you.
He cares about your physical needs. Rather than sending the crowd away hungry to find food for themselves, he gets his disciples to feed them miraculously. We come back again to the feeding of the 5,000, the only miracle apart from the resurrection recorded in all four Gospels. We are reminded of how much Jesus can do with the very little that we offer him and of the fact that Jesus involves us in his miracles. This is a huge privilege and it's all yours in and through Jesus. The disciples began to understand who Jesus really is when he asks, Who do you say I am? And Peter answers, The Christ of God. Jesus begins to explain to them about his death, the greatest act of love in history and resurrection. He challenges his disciples to aim high. He calls you to aim at three things which together comprise love for others and love for Jesus. First, no sin. Sin is the opposite of love. In the middle of the word sin is the letter I. Jesus says, those who would come after me must deny themselves. God may ask you to make different sacrifices in your life, but the only thing we are all required to give up is sin. Every day, the challenge of love requires little acts of self-denial. Second, no self. Jesus says, those who would come after me must take up their cross daily and follow me. For those who want to save their lives will lose them. But those who lose their lives for me will save them. Effectively, Jesus invites us to come and die. The cross today is a symbol of hope. However, then it was a symbol of pain, shame, disgrace, and ultimately death. Jesus said that if you live a life of selfish ambition, even if you're the most successful person of all time and gain the whole world, it will do you no good at all. The way to find life in all its fullness is to abandon your life to the love of Jesus and of others. Take up your cross daily and follow him. Being willing to give up your life is the ultimate act of love. This is the example that Jesus set us. He calls you and me to follow his example. Cleave steadfastly to me. Conform wholly to my example in living, and if need be, in dying. Third, no secrecy. Jesus says, All who are ashamed of me and of my words... The Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. If you love Jesus, don't be ashamed of him. Sometimes even taking his name on our lips is a challenge. Don't be ashamed of his teaching, his words. If you want Jesus to be proud of you, you must be proud of him. If you love people, you will want everyone to know about Jesus. Speaking for myself, I know how often I fall short in these areas. But the fact that our lives fall very far short of perfection should not stop us aiming high. Lord, help me to aim high. Help me today to deny myself and take up my cross and follow you. May I never be ashamed of you or your words, but rather boldly declare the good news of your death and resurrection for us. Old Testament Numbers 33 and 34. Here are the stages in the journey of the Israelites when they came out of Egypt by divisions under the leadership of Moses and Aaron. At the Lord's command, Moses recorded the stages in their journey. This is their journey by stages. The Israelites set out from Ramesses on the fifteenth day of the first month, the day after the Passover. 
They marched out defiantly in full view of all the Egyptians, who were burying all their firstborn, whom the Lord had struck down among them, for the Lord had brought judgment on their gods. The Israelites left Ramesses and camped at Succoth. They left Succoth and camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. They left Etham and turned back to Pi-Harihoth, to the east of Baal-Zephon, and camped near Migdol. They left Pi-Harihoth and passed through the sea into the desert, and when they had travelled for three days in the desert of Etham, they camped at Marah. They left Marah and went to Elim, where there were twelve springs and seventy palm trees, and they camped there. They left Elim and camped by the Red Sea. They left the Red Sea and camped in the desert of Sin. They left the desert of Sin and camped at Dothkar. They left Dothkar and camped at Ailush. They left Ailush and camped at Rephidim, where there was no water for the people to drink. They left Rephidim and camped in the desert of Sinai. They left the desert of Sinai and camped at Kaibroth, Hateavah. They left Kaibroth, Hateavah and camped at Hazaroth. They left Hazaroth and camped at Rithmah. They left Rithmah and camped at Rimon Pires. They left Rimon Pires and camped at Lidma. They left Libna and camped at Rissa. They left Rissa and camped at Kihaleath. They left Kihaleath and camped at Mount Shifa. They left Mount Shifa and camped at Hereda. They left Hereda and camped at Makiloth. They left Makiloth and camped at Teath. They left Teath and camped at Tira. They left Tira and camped at Mithka. They left Mithka and camped at Hashmona. They left Hashmona and camped at Mosiroth. They left Mosiroth and camped at Benejeakan. They left Benejeakan and camped at Hor Hegidgad. They left Hor Hegidgad and camped at Jothbatha. They left Jothbatha and camped at Abrona. They left Abrona and camped at Ezion Jeber. They left Ezion Jeber and camped at Kadesh in the desert of Zin. They left Kadesh and camped at Mount Hor on the border of Edom. At the Lord's command, Aaron the priest went up Mount Hor, where he died on the first day of the fifth month of the fortieth year, after the Israelites came out of Egypt. Aaron was a hundred and twenty-three years old when he died on Mount Hor. The Canaanite king of Arad, who lived in Negev of Canaan, heard that the Israelites were coming. They left Mount Hor and camped at Zalmona. They left Zalmona and camped at Punon. They left Punon and camped at Oboth. They left Oboth and camped at Liabarim on the border of Moab. They left Liabarim and camped at Dibon Gad. They left Dibon Gad and camped at Almon Diblatheim. They left Almon Diblatheim and camped in the mountains of Abarim near Nebo. They left the mountains of Abarim and camped on the plains of Moab by the Jordan opposite Jericho. There, on the plains of Moab, they camped along the Jordan from Beth Jeshimoth to Abel Shittim. On the plains of Moab by the Jordan opposite Jericho, the Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, When you cross the Jordan into Canaan, drive out all the inhabitants of the land before you. 
destroy all their carved images and their cast idols, and demolish all their high places. Take possession of the land, and settle in it, for I have given you the land to possess. Distribute the land by lot according to your clans. To a larger group give a larger inheritance, and to a smaller group a smaller one. Whatever falls to them by lot will be theirs. Distribute it according to your ancestral tribes. But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land, those you allow to remain will become barbs in your eyes and thorns in your sides. They will give you trouble in the land where you live, and then I will do to you what I plan to do to them. Numbers chapter 34 The Lord said to Moses, Command the Israelites and say to them, When you enter Canaan, the land that will be allotted to you as an inheritance is to have these boundaries. Your southern side will include some of the desert of Zin along the border of Edom. Your southern boundary will start in the east from the southern end of the Dead Sea, cross south of Scorpion Pass, continue on to Zin, and go south of Kadesh Barnea. Then it will go to Hazar Ada and over to Asmon, where it will turn, join the Wadi of Egypt, and end at the Mediterranean Sea. Your western boundary will be the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. This will be your boundary on the west. For your northern boundary, run a line from the Mediterranean Sea to Mount Hor, and from Mount Hor to Libo Hamath. Then the boundary will go to Zidad, continue to Zifron, and end at Hazar-Enan. This will be your boundary on the north. For your eastern boundary, run a line from Hazar-Enan to Shifam. The boundary will go from Shifam to Ribla on the east side of Ain, and continue along the slopes east of the Sea of Galilee. Then the boundary will go down along the Jordan and end at the Dead Sea. This will be your land, with its boundaries on every side. Moses commanded the Israelites, Assign this land by lot as an inheritance. The Lord has ordered that it be given to the nine and a half tribes, because the families of the tribe of Reuben, the tribe of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh have received their inheritance. These two and a half tribes have received their inheritance east of the Jordan opposite Jericho towards the sunrise. The Lord said to Moses, These are the names of the men who are to assign the land for you as an inheritance, Eleazar the priest and Joshua, son of Nun. And appoint one leader from each tribe to help assign the land. These are their names. Caleb son of Jephune, from the tribe of Judah, Shemuel, son of Amihud, from the tribe of Simeon, Elidad, son of Kislon, from the tribe of Benjamin, Bakai, son of Joglai, the leader from the tribe of Dan, Haniel, son of Ephod, the leader from the tribe of Manasseh, son of Joseph, Kemuel, son of Shiftan, the leader from the tribe of Ephraim, son of Joseph, Elizaphan, son of Parnak, the leader from the tribe of Zebulun. Paltiel, son of Azan, the leader from the tribe of Issachar. Ahihud, son of Shilomai, the leader from the tribe of Asher. Pedahel, son of Amihud, 
the leader from the tribe of Naphtali. These are the men the Lord commanded to assign the inheritance to the Israelites in the land of Canaan. Aim to be full of the Spirit. You have an amazing inheritance. It is all yours in Jesus. This passage describes the inheritance that God assigned to his people. Although they set out boldly, they'd wandered around in the desert for 40 years. They never fully enjoyed their inheritance. Paul, preaching the book of Acts, explains that God gave the land to his people as their inheritance. He goes on, we tell you the good news. What God promised our ancestors, he has fulfilled in us, their children, by raising up Jesus. This is now your inheritance. God's promise to give his people the land of Canaan was always about more than simply good real estate. It was a promise of flourishing as God's people enjoyed relationship with God under the security of God's protection in God's promised place. This points forward to the New Testament concept of the kingdom of God, the sphere of God's presence and rule. It is this that is fulfilled in Jesus, and it is yours now. In Christ, your inheritance is the promised eternal inheritance. It's an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you. Not only do you have this inheritance to look forward to in the future, but you can experience something of this inheritance right now. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. The Greek word for deposit, arabone, is a word that means down payment. In other words, you experience here and now a foretaste of that inheritance through the Holy Spirit. As you live in the Spirit, your life will be changed to produce the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Don't settle for second best. Aim to be full of the Holy Spirit. Receive your inheritance. Lord, help us in the Spirit to be ruthless with sin so that we do not allow anything to become barbs in our eyes or thorns in our sides. Help me to aim high, to receive my inheritance and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Pepper adds, Looking at Numbers 33, the Israelites were constantly on the move. I'm taking this passage totally out of context, but it makes me think of Focus, our yearly camping church holiday, where we have seven or 8,000 people coming together. The good thing is that once we arrive at Summerley Estate in July and have pitched our tents, we don't have to move on immediately. As it says in verse 53, Take possession of the land and settle in it, for I have given you the land to possess. Actually, only for six days. Distribute the land by lot according to your clans. To the bigger group, give a larger inheritance. To the smaller group, a smaller one. We have many church plants coming. Each will have its own area. If the people of God could live in tents for 40 years... We should be able to manage a week. Come on, it's going to be amazing.